Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And Marjorie, today we are getting literal about the nest and keeping clutter (laughs) out of the nest. I start with kind of an interesting nest and bird story. So this week, my daughter, Bernadette, Bernadette Rosalind Rymers, you know her, you love her. I do. Um, she had a visit from the Raptor Center at her school. Okay. Which was very exciting. So all the second graders got to go and Hello Raptor Center. Yeah, they were wonderful. And they brought all of these birds. And so of course that night and the the couple days after she's telling us over and over again about her experience with the birds and which kind of birds came and what she learned about the birds. And so she said you will not believe it, Mama, but there was a raptor there and it stuck out its butt and poop shot out of it. <laughs> it <laughs> happens. Like, this is our dinner conversation, Marjorie. And, yeah. you know, we have a no potty talk policy at the dinner table, but when one so is sharing. Just in general. Just right. in general. But no when one is sharing ever. what they learned from the Raptor Center visit, yeah. I feel like you can make a little bit of an exception. And it's so, science. It's science. So she said, Mama, do you know why they do that? And I said, oh. no, I don't. And she said, they shoot. Okay. I'm ready. It's early. Because if, if it didn't shoot out, it would just land in their nest and it could land on their eggs and that would make their nest all messy and not nice and they wouldn't like that and that would be upsetting. And so that is why it shoots out of them. And I thought, listen, every creature (laughs) is just trying to keep their nest from turning into a pile of crap. It really is, Bernadette, quite a beautiful metaphor. Just got to shoot the shit out of the nest, right? Just got to get it out. And so it brings me to our conversation topic today. I feel odd having said that now. No, you can say it. That's exactly what it is. We're on a podcast. I know, but this is the wild, wild west. You're free to be yourself. I just want to be liberation. Yeah, it was great. And the FCC doesn't have control over us here. I'm still scared of the FCC. <laughs> Screw you, FCC. No, 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 no. Love FCC. They have a lot of rules for us to follow yes, on the old yes. TV and radio, and we don't have to follow <laughs> them here on the podcast. So let yeah. freedom ring. So here we go. It brings us to our nest conversation about the crap that piles up in our house and particularly in the playroom. So I have to tell you, I was having... Like I was getting this tense feeling and this feeling of rage every time I walked into (laughs) our playroom. And I think everybody who has little kids probably has, regardless of the amount of space you have, you have like either a corner or a room or like an area where all the play stuff goes. 
and it's a huge challenge. And you're kind of caught in this situation of like, someday I'll miss not seeing little plastic dinosaurs everywhere because I'll know that my kids have grown up and it'll be so sweet. And then also, son of a bee, I stepped on another plastic dinosaur. And this crap is everywhere and it's taking over my life and I can't handle it. And so my playroom was feeling bad. You said that to me the other day. You said, you know, I know, I I think we were on the phone and you're like, you had stepped on something. You're like, I know I will miss this someday. And I said to you, no, you won't. You will not. There will be no nostalgia for toys everywhere. I'm here to tell you, do not miss that at all. But I, I, I literally stepped on you. So you were saying your playroom was... It was a disaster. I had three baskets that are in this piece of furniture that holds a TV. So we have like a a small TV in there and then it's on a piece of furniture and then the the open, it's like open underneath. So I'd gotten three baskets. A smart decision I made was they have structure to them. You know, some mm. baskets that are floppy are like a living nightmare for toys. And I have those in the kids' bedrooms and they're about to go because it's making me crazy. Yeah. But these have some structure. But the problem was is that everything was getting tossed into them. And so we couldn't find anything. And I know I'm not the only one. It's like a black hole of toys. And I've complained about this. I've complained about it on Instagram, whatever. And um, I finally got to the point a couple of weeks ago, Jay was actually out of town for the weekend. And I just decided this is it. Like things have to change. We're going to Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> and if I were Ikea right now, I would hire you as the spokesperson Things have to change. We're going to Ikea. Number one, I packed all three of my children up on a rainy afternoon and we went to Ikea. We ate dinner there for $15. That was kind of a pro move. Everybody likes those Swedish meatballs. Wait till you start doing breakfast at Ikea. Man. For the, for the, they're not called pancakes, but for like the thin Swedish pancakes. Oh yeah. Uh, that was a, that was a, oh, an often activity for the punnet boys is we're going off to Ikea to have breakfast and then just walking around is kind of fun. It is really fun. I like it in there. So I got two of these Trofast units. If anybody has researched toy storage, the Trofast unit pops up all over the place. I'm here to tell you it's the greatest creation ever. It is a breeze to put together. Listen, I'm not sponsored by Ikea, but I'm happy to be. And um, they... (laughs) It's so good. So I got th- two of these Trofast units and each of them, you can, you can configure how many bins you want them to hold. Okay. So one of them, I did nine of the smallest bins that you can do. The other one, I did three of the smallest bins and then three of the biggest bins because I figured we're going to just need a little bit of different space. Right. I know and just then, the units you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And then um, here's another pro tip, which just arrived. I ordered with the help of my sister because she has one of these units too. We ordered these pretty pegs. Have you heard of pretty pegs? No. It's Okay, I need you to look it up right now okay, while okay, we're talking okay. because you're... I, I'm going to have to put my coffee down. Yeah, that's fine. You can do it for okay. just a second. Okay. You're going to love this because what it, they are, are they're, they are cute feet for the bottom of Ikea pieces of furniture. Oh. Can you stand it so they don't sit right on the ground yeah. and then you can choose which ones you want and have them customized? They just arrived, so I got to pop over to my sisters to get them because we ordered them all this... together to get free shipping. This is a really smart trend that was not around when I was buying more IKEA gear, where companies are coming out and they're have all these little IKEA hacks. Which it's if so when good. IKEA 
IKEA doesn't need to get smart. They know what they're doing. But some of these hacks are pretty amazing. What is it called? Pretty? Pretty pegs. Yeah, Th- pretty this pegs. This is brilliant. It's brilliant. I never it- liked the legs that IKEA would offer. No, no. It's so cute. And then these Trofast units, you know, they just sit on the ground. And so the pretty pegs will raise it up and make it look really custom. And then my next step is I'm going to go on Etsy. This is the project for today. I'm going to go on Etsy and I'm going to order custom labels for each bin that say what is in the bin. So, for example, I have one bin that has puppets in it, one bin for cars. Right. One bin for Legos, one bin for um, action figures, like all these things. And so Which is great. everything is broken down into category. And it has, it was amazing because all I did was I swapped out a rug in there with a rug that I had. So I took out the existing rug, put a fresh one in there. I shopped the rest of my house. I grabbed a couple lamps from our bedroom and moved those down. And then I did these Trofest units which each cost me, it was like 90 bucks a piece. So it was less than $200. Right. And then I bought the pretty pegs too. Um, and it was a complete room transformation. And I'm not kidding. Now it's like my favorite place to go in. And I, and it's been life changing, which I, I, know, I hate to like overstate it with the playroom, but it was like a square footage of my house that every time I walked past, I was just like cringy and couldn't stand. And it felt overwhelming. And every time I was picking up toys, I wanted to take them all and throw them in the garbage was it, the place that I was in. You are not alone. I mean, the, the playroom or whatever area of your house that you designate as the playroom, I think brings most parents anxiety because most kids have too much. They have too much and what they have isn't very well organized. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I tried really hard to do when the kids were little, the one thing that we had an in excess of and I never felt bad about were Legos. Um, tons and tons and tons of Legos. Cause every summer we would do, I made up fake camps for my kids. <laughs> um, so we would do a week of Lego camp and it just meant that they got, you know, a big, one of the big sets. So we had tons of Legos. Um, but like the little action figures, like you're talking about when my kids were growing up, the big thing was they were the happy meal toys, you know, the kids loved to get them and then they were never touched again. Yeah. And so you just end up with, you know, tons of these little toys all over your house. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting about it now is even at the time I didn't, it's going to make me sound sort of snotty, but I just didn't aesthetically like the look of plastic toys. I think that's fair. So I didn't really allow a ton of kind of the bigger ones into the house. I really tried. I tried to be very conscientious about what would come in, but it's still a hard road to fight because the kids get gifts and you're grateful for the gifts and all of that. But this is one of the reasons, and I've talked about on the podcast before, Elizabeth, that we had a very small um, Christmas present policy. Mm-hmm. And I will say it, yes, there would be bananas in their stockings, but these were things <laughs> that would go away. And I loved gifts for the kids that would actually go away. Yeah. So like paint and paper and mm-hmm. things that, you know, weren't going to be around for the next 20 years to step on. And, you know, I can sound like I had it all under control. I didn't. And I didn't, you know, I think it's very hard for any parent to do it well. And I think the fact that you've organized it lessens that anxiety. And the most important thing is, is when you organize the playroom, and I love that you're getting little labels for the drawers, of course, 
this is helpful for the kids. I yes. mean, that's the point. Right. Is then they can read where the things are that they like. They can get to the things that they like, which is all about, you know, forming their little brains so they have a little sense of organization. I'm here to tell you, it is so overwhelming when I look back and you think about the things that you're modeling for your kids. Yeah. Um, and, and things like having an organized playroom, that turns into an adult skill of having an organized home mm-hmm. for themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so strange and scary. I mean, in a way, I'm glad I, 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 well, I knew it, I guess, at the time, but it, it is now looking at children sort of grown. You can really see all of the things that you do with them as children and the impact that that has into the kind of human being that they are. It, well, even just an organized playroom matters. It, it really matters. And here's, here are the things that I've really noticed about this over the last couple of weeks since I did this, because I did this and I, I, it, part of it too was because we have a nanny now. And so Heathcliff and Franklin are home a lot more than they were. Oh, right. And so I wanted it to feel like they had some rhyme or reason to how they were playing. Um, and, I wanted them to not always default to asking to turn on a show because that's sort of what was happening in there. And right. I had this realization that like we have a TV in the playroom. I listen, I work in television. I think television is one of God's greatest gifts to us all. I freaking <laughs> love it. I think it's fantastic. That being said, like, I think like anything else, it should be used with intention and, um, and I don't regulate as much on screen time with the TV with my kids as I do with the small, you know, like the iPads and stuff like that. Like I keep the handheld stuff out of their hands, but having a show on in the background while they're playing doesn't generally bother me. Right. But I was realizing that their default was to say, can we turn on a show? And now I realize that it was because they couldn't think of anything else to do because everything was such a mess. So for example, I did, um, I have several, we have several little puppets, like puppet toys, you know, soft little puppets. Right. And, um, so I create one of the bins is a puppet bin and it's just got the puppets in there. And there's, there's like five puppets there's, and they're not huge. So there's plenty of space in this bin. My children have had no fewer than six puppet shows in the last <laughs> like week And they've never done that. And we've had these puppets since they were babies because they could never, you could, you would come across one random puppet, but then we didn't know where the other one was. And then in order to find another one, you'd have to dump out a whole bin and figure it out. And by that point, the creativity and the inspiration is over. The moment is passed. And you're like, okay, now I just have a mess in the playroom and it's annoying. I'm going to shove everything back in this basket. And can we turn on a show? I mean, that's, that is literally the, the place that we were in. And it's been so amazing to see the transformation of they are playing with things that they never played with before. And even like the little plastic stuff that kind of bugs me, like the action figures. I mean, Frankie's got them all out lined up. They all have a story to tell. He's talking back and forth. He's doing all this stuff, you know, and Heathcliff's getting involved and all of that, that they were never doing when you couldn't find more than one of the guys. You, it's something you said in, I, I, I bet there are so many studies on this, but this idea of too much that they couldn't figure out what to do. Totally and think, paralyzed and overwhelmed. Yeah. And I think that that's a really, it goes back to what we talk about so often on this podcast, but fewer, better things. Mm-hmm. And this idea, when you think about it, if I, 
I feel that way a little bit with my clothes right now because I don't have as big a closet as I need. Mm -hmm. Or my sons would tell me I need to get rid of clothes. Not a bigger (laughs) closet, fewer clothes. Just different Um, perspectives. Yeah, different perspectives. I'm having trouble giving some of them away. But I do come in and I'm a bit overwhelmed because I have so much and it's not organized the way that I would like it to be organized or the way that it used to be organized. And so I'm not as efficient in... And the process isn't as fun for me as it used to be because things aren't, they don't have a place necessarily. And I watch my husband who goes out the door every day Mm -hmm. looking quite sharp. He's very sharp, sharp dresser. He's a sharp dresser. Swear to God, he has a little walk-in closet. He doesn't even use one side of it, which just kills me. It's like, could I just like (laughs) scoot into that little place? But he's just very, you know, he has fewer, better things. Yeah. And it, and I think when I think about that from when you said that from a children, from a child's perspective, yeah, if you're looking at like six bins and everything's thrown in there and then it's an effort to get to the thing that you want to be creative with, it's not going to happen. No, it's not. That's not going to happen. That's so interesting. It's not. It made me think a lot to, um, for example, one of the bins is empty it, on mm-hmm. each side. I just hadn't figured out what to put in there. Right. And I thought, um, you know, empty drawers. We've talked about this on the podcast before, ever since I went to visit my friend Emily in Florida right. and stayed in her guest room and realized I had this epiphany from Emily that empty drawers bring me more joy than like anything else. <laughs> now I'm starting to think of like empty space, empty drawers, it's like that's where the creativity lives. It lives right. in the emptiness and yeah. you can't have the inspiration or the creativity if there's no empty space for it. Right. And I was thinking about this when it comes to, this is what happens to me, like this playroom, then all this stuff starts spinning in my mind. But I was thinking about it with relation to your home and the things that you put in your home and then even your time. Like you can't have great ideas. You can't have these sort of revelations if there's no space in your brain to let the inspiration come and then to let the creativity sprout because it's just so freaking packed and it's not, it, it doesn't work. I love that you say that. So I think it was two weeks ago. Um, I was in, I'm taking an, a class for, it's a class that's required for all graduate students and it's sort of to get you ready to do serious research. And the professor was saying, and you know me, so this will sound so cheesy, but you'll so understand that he's like, you're scholars now. It's oh. like, does that sound fun? You should get so a t-shirt like, that says that. Scholar. You're scholars now. So you're going to have to do this kind of research. And he was sort of lecturing about what's next. Mm-hmm. But what he said is exactly what you're saying which is what you need is time. Mm. You need time to think. And it's so strange when I think about so much of my life and how busy it was between working full time and raising the kids. There was no time. There was no time to think about other than really what I was paid to think about. And then thinking about my children and my marriage and all of those things that you're trying to keep together. Right. And you're exactly right. You need to not only, you know, for yourself and, you know, for everybody that's out there and and the craziness of that, make time to have those bigger thoughts, sort of those, those revelatory ideas that you're talking about. And then with your children, 
make sure that they have that space. In Mm -hmm. some ways, even more importantly, make sure they have that space, that freedom to think and getting rid of the clutter is just the beginning of allowing that space to, to be. Yeah. And it starts with a playroom. You're exactly right. But the other cool thing too, Elizabeth, is now you have limitations to how much can come in. Mm-hmm. Like you can look at those bins and say, this is it. This is what we're going to have. This is what you're, and as the kids grow, you change out those drawers as opposed to just one more bin that you close up and shove in the closet. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think that's great. You're totally right. The, that has also, I, I think I've been intentional about what comes in. Um, for a while. I mean, I'm really thoughtful. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to brag, but when I go to my friends' houses and I see like the entire basement of toys that they have, you know, we lived in 1100 square feet for a long right. time with t- right. up till the point where we had two children. And some of that mentality is, has stuck with me. That's and I so think good. That that's really good. And then I'm also married to someone who like clutter makes him crazy. So that's also good for me too, because it helps me to always minimize. He would probably argue not enough, but you know, whatever. Um, but that, that thought process of fewer things, what can we have it and having like conversations? I, it gets tricky with family because like I have a girlfriend who, um, she has a wonderful mother-in-law who's like very kind and very generous, but literally buys like 20 gifts for each of her children for every, I've been at her kid's birthday parties and it's like 20 gifts to open up. And my friend is like, I can't, and they have like, they have a spacious home. I mean, they have space, but it's, she's like, I can't handle this. And she's like, and then my kids just are turning into people who open a present, toss it, and then open another right. one, toss it because again, it's too much. It's too much. They're so overwhelmed and they don't even know what to do about it. And I almost think we need to be having some like frank conversations with family members about stuff and about even saying, you know, Hey, you know what? Um, I've even done this with my mom a little bit of like, you know what Bernie would like more than stuff is what if you took her on an outing and that was right. her birthday gift and you guys went and did something together. It's the time and the connection that's so much more important than right. the actual just piles of stuff. That was one of the things my mom, I think, did so well with her grandchildren. She would take them each, I think each of them in their lives when they were little, got one big trip. Oh, fine. So she, she would come and she would take them to another state, <laughs> which made me very nervous, but she would travel <laughs> with them. And I, they all remember that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that you come and you get on a plane with your grandmother, but I think you're exactly right. I think experiential is so much more important. Our oldest son actually said after last Christmas, he said, let's not, let's, Let's make sure that everything we do for the holidays is about the experience and not about stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's a great thing for grandparents and children. Cause how much, like you said, how much more valuable is that than a toy? The other thing I w- would always ask too is just books. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just give my kids books. Yeah. And you know, that's one of those things that, especially when they were your kids age, that as a parent, you have control over because you are going to use them because you're going to read to them at night. And it was always nice to get a a new infusion of books. Mm -hmm. And then there was always some place to donate them. Yeah. You know, if you were really done with them, there was a nice place to donate them and well-loved books are such a great donation. So, but you know, I, we 
when I think about toys and plastic and all of those things, we do have to sort of think about toxicity and we won't go too deep into this because maybe we'll have, maybe we'll have our friend back to talk about that. But with young children, that is honestly something that people really, really need to start thinking about is what's in the toys that you're buying. You're totally Um, right. Because it really, I, when I was at um, Arizona State University, I produced a science show and we, there was one scientist there who was doing a lot of work with plastics in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And um, he was talking a lot about the phthalates that are in the ocean. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. It's what plastic breaks down to. Um, and it's really, 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 really bad. And it's in a lot of children's toys. It is. And, and even like the paints and the stuff and that you yeah. don't know, you know, and I don't want to like demonize everything made in China, but you know, there are a lot of concerns about like certain factories there and not really knowing what is in these things and what's on the paint. And you know, when you look at these plastic things, like you see the paint chip off. Oh yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, that is somewhere you know, in my child's mouth all the time. It's right. I I think you're right about that. And that's an easy way to start to make some decisions about some of the fewer better things. I will say, um, just a shout out to a former podcast guest, um, Anna, who owns the Foundry Home Goods in Minneapolis. They've now moved to another location in St. Anthony, Maine. But that's where I love finding kids toys because she sells all of those amazing little like um, German wooden animals and, oh, cute. um, my sister and my mom just got Heathcliff a little glockenspiel, like this beautiful Swedish made glockenspiel. Oh. And they'd asked me, you know, what would Heathy like for his second birthday? And I'm like, okay, well, Heathy doesn't need a massive amount of stuff, but I think that this one little lovely thing, and it wasn't cheap, you know, but right. it was, it's a beautiful glockenspiel. And as soon as they got it, all the kids have been playing with it and having fun with it. And it looks beautiful sitting out on the Ikea Trofest unit. Wow, the sweets are really knocking it out of the park. Um, but it looks beautiful sitting out. And so that's the other thing to think about is like toys that aren't driving you nuts when you look at them. Right. And then right. toys that are this, and this is so much about the Montessori model, but toys that are open-ended in their play is so important. I mean, the Montessori folks will argue even don't have dolls with faces on them because the facial expressions dictate, like they send the children a message about how that doll should be played with and it limits their imagination. It's again, it's about the empty space. And when you start like researching this and I went down a whole bunch of rabbit holes of like Montessori style playrooms. And this is what I've been looking at for like the last year as I sort of was trying to figure out what to do with this space in our house and how to make it more functional and beautiful. Um, you can see these principles and start to go, Oh wow, that really makes sense. Sense. And I want to bring that into my home. And then when you watch your children benefit from this style, you think about it with your stuff too. It's, it's really transformational. It starts with just like one drawer or one little room or one little corner. And then you can start to move on for the rest of the house. And fewer better things. Fewer better things. I need to look up dolls without faces as I think about it. It sounds really creepy to me, but I'm sure you've seen one. Do they sound, <laughs> do they, do they look okay? Yeah, they're sweet. Okay. They're lovely. Oh, oh, do you hear? I do. I want to talk to him. Did you push the button? Yeah. Yeah. Can he come say hi? Yeah, he totally can say hi. 
I'm off today, everyone. Here's the backstory. And Jay yeah. just had to leave. And so he, um, I waved goodbye at him and he's Which, left. Heathy and I have a day together. Heathy, you want to come say hi? Which means we are about to end this podcast, but I'd like to hear his little. Can you hear him screaming? I can. Is he coming over? Heathy, are you happy boy? Jay has a desk up here that right, like goes up and down. So it can be a stand up desk or a sit down oh, desk. Oh, right, right, right. And so he figured out how to get it to go up and down. And so now he's highly <laughs> distracted by that. Well, we'll wrap Anyhow, it up. Then. That's it. What a joyful conversation. I it love was. it. It motivates Enjoy your day me. off. I'm, I'm going to. It's going to be very nice. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com. We're the podcast that brings you home. Bye, Heathcliff. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye. to be your best every day you need proven quality sleep every night science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental emotional and physical health and that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.